Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and today we have a very special guest with us. His name's Jonathan, Jonathan Batchelor. And before we get into introducing Jonathan and what he does and everything, Jonathan has a story about a boat. Uh, Jonathan, would you like to share that, share that story with uh, about your boat with us? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I had a boat here in Florida uh, about four years ago, and that wasn't a new boat. The boat was like 30 years old or something like that and uh it was a sailboat and uh anyway it was it uh had it out here in in florida and and the thing uh my sister sent me a video with the mass sticking out of the water um when the one one of the hurricanes came through and i lost my boat but uh is that the story you that you were talking about yeah that one oh well there's more to it than that um my father and i uh, my father calls me because he's the one that actually went out and found, got the boat, you know, and he called me. It's a sailboat. And, and he said, he said, Jonathan, we bought a boat. I said, what do you mean we bought a boat? He, he, he took me in on it with me, with him without me knowing about it until after he'd done it because he knows I like sailing. And so, so, so whatever he, um, he, he ended up calling me, uh, he ended up talking to me about, uh, Sorry, I got my, I lost my train of thought. So he ended up talking to me about it. And I said, well, Dad, what kind of boat is it? He said, well, it's a sailboat. I said, oh, well, we don't know how to sail. <laughs> and he says, well, all right. He says, he says well, I guess we'll have to learn, won't we? I said, I guess so. And so then I look up all these books. I go out there and do my research about, you know, sailing. And, and, and everything I read says, don't buy a big boat for your first boat. I said, uh-oh. So I called dad back and I said, dad, what kind of boat did we buy? Like, how big is it? He said, oh, it's just 40 feet. 40 feet? <laughs> oh, me, dad. You know, uh, they told me everything I read said, don't buy a big boat for your first boat because it's just too much for you. And he said, well, I guess we got that out of the way, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's the same guy. That that whatever whatever I he my mother was going to the hospital to have me. Mm-hmm. He gets there and they said, "Sir, if you don't have insurance, you have to prepay." And he says, "Ma'am, you don't know how business works, do you?" He says, "You hand me a baby, I'll hand you your money." <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> and so. So anyway, it's it's pretty interesting to hear, you know, how the take on business people that have been in for years ago, how they do did business as opposed to today. Um, but another thing I wanted to go into was I've heard a lot of people talking about inflation. It seems to be there's some weird, um, I don't know, a lot of people talk about it in a weird in in you know just all kinds of different ways. It's so simple. The way that I see. Um, inflation is I imagine that all of our cash is ocean, ocean water, okay? And the government has some of that ocean water, and, and we have some of that ocean water, and, and, you know, other people around the world have some of our ocean water, okay? Now, what happens is, is each one of our families out there is one of the boats, so our households represent the boats. Now, some households, the average household in the United States, savings is $5,300, okay? So what happens is, is you have all these households, you know, that have these boats. Well, not all boats have $5,300. They're not $5,300 boats, are they? Some of them are multi-billion dollar boats, and some of them are $1,500 boats. Yeah. Okay. Now, the thing is, is if you give every single one of those boats $1,400 worth of ocean, mm-hmm. okay, and you put it in those boats, it's going to sink every one of those boats by $1,400 into relation to the size of the boat. Yeah. So now, remember that the boat 
the boat's level in the water is what represents how much buying power your dollar has. So the more water you put in the boat, the more the boat's going to sink. You understand? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happens is, is then you end up in a situation where you got a big boat, it's got a billion dollars. You put $1,400 worth of ocean water in there. What's it going to do? Oh, next to nothing. Not much, right? Right. But if you take a boat that's got $1,300 and you throw $1,400 in, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to go down the lot. Right. Okay. So, so the thing is, it's liable to, it, it's actually liable to sink. And the reason yeah. I say that is because the boats, every time you add water to the hole, yeah. all of the boats, you are taking all the boats. You're either raising the water or you're dropping all the boats. Do you understand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only way that I know how to explain it simply so people understand that when you give money to everybody, all it does is devalue the money in your bank account. That's all it does. Yeah. It helps you in the immediate, but in the long term, the buying power of your dollar has dropped. You, you see what I'm saying? So let's yeah. say it's $1,400. You give a $5,300 average account, okay? Average savings account for families, okay? Or not savings, just that's their cash on hand. It's $50, or it might have been the savings. But you give them an extra $1,400. Everybody out there now has an extra $1,400. Everybody. Yeah. Okay? So what do we do? We spend money. Now, Now, here's the other side of that. We're spending that money, but where did that $1,400 come from, Mr. The sky. Kenny? The government, the sky. It just comes, it just, <laughs> okay, but okay, it comes, it comes from the government, right? Okay, so when we get it from the government, what happens then? The government has less water or less money? No, 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 no. Where did they get it from? They had to got the money from somewhere. They had the to sell bonds, right? Yeah. So so to get to get the money. So where are the bonds being bought? From other boats. Who's buying remember the ocean can be anywhere in the world. Yeah. So who who's buying those who's buying those bonds? Or our debt, basically. Who's buying our debt from our government and from us? The the um, main provider of our debt servicer is China, if you didn't know. I mean that's I believe that's correct. I think we owe them more than anybody, right? It's some up in the trillions at this point. No, it's a right. lot of money. I hate this. Yeah, it's a lot of money. A whole lot of money that we owe them. It doesn't matter. We owe everybody. There's a whole lot of people we owe. It's not just China, so don't get me wrong. But I will say that most of our products come from China, right? So if you're in business, the best thing you can do is own the debt, on the business, and on the equity on the business. Did you know that, Mr. Kim? Uh, you own the debt and the equity on the business? Uh, uh, a lot of companies yes. do venture capital world. No, no, no. Right, right. I mean, you want to own both. You want to own the debt because you're going to earn interest on the money that you give to the company for the debt. And also, you have leverage if you need to hang on to IP. And then, if you've got equity in there, then you've also got um, things going on there where you, uh, you know, if you have equity in the company, um, then, then that you, you're making money on appreciation and any changes or additions to the company. See what I mean? Yeah. Like, like if you improve the company in some way, shape or form, you're doing that, but you also are servicing their debt. So you're getting that interest off the debt. So you get a double whammy in your, in your earnings. Yeah. Okay. Most people don't know that. And it's a good thing. Because usually people that are like that manage it well, and they continue to do other things and, and create jobs. I hmm. think our country has moved away from that. Hmm. In other words, I think we've moved towards just making money and not creating jobs. I remember when my father, growing up, he worked 16 hours a day, six days a week. He wouldn't work on Sundays because they could hear him beating on stuff over at the plant because the church wasn't but a block away. And so, so he would go in and do maintenance on the weekends while all the employees were home for the weekend. 
And so he would go in and do that. That was that's an entrepreneur. That's what we do. We, we it's our baby. You see what I mean? So we want it to go. So we work all the time. It's like having a child. You can't ever not look at it because if you do, it's going to get in trouble. And so, yeah. so that's the thing. You know, and that's the thing is. And, and the other thing about that is, there's a study. I, I don't know if they've published yet, but there's a study that's being done on entrepreneurs, and they're having some good preliminaries on it. But when they show an entrepreneur their um, their logo for their company and they show the entrepreneur the, the pictures of their kids, the same areas in the brain are lighting up. Huh. So, so they're actually start. Yeah. They're starting to figure out that entrepreneurs don't see their, their companies as companies. They see them as their children or something that they've created. You see what I mean? And so yeah. it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Huh. So um, I don't know if you can tell that I got a little bit of a southern accent. Um, so, did you have any questions? <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm sitting here just talking. Sorry, just kidding. I guess, I'm, um, I'm bad to. I guess what we could do is kind of go over your background so people could know more about you, like what kind of work you've done in the past and things like that. Okay. So originally, I'm from a little town called Home of 911. It's not Home of, it, it's like, that's the nickname for it. Um, it's Haleyville, Alabama. I grew up there. And, uh, and I moved around quite a bit. My mother and father divorced when I was young, and my mother moved a lot. So I've been to many, many, many different schools. I've been to, where, I've been to schools where I was, uh, uh, you know, let's just say I wasn't the prominent uh, figure in this, you know, or I, I don't know how to put that. Um, I've been to many schools and I've seen many, many people and I have many, many, many different kinds of friends, liberal, conservative, all different, you, you, you name it, you name it. I I know Samoans, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm a, I'm a very outgoing person when it comes to meeting new people and new cultures. I, I really, really, really love absorbing that stuff because I learned something from everyone. You know, that's, that's the thing. Every time I meet somebody, I, I learn something new about their culture and who they are and where they're from. And so on where I'm from. So I'm from a little bit town in Northwest Alabama, tiny, tiny, tiny town. Now, what most people don't know about my little town is it's the home of 911. It's the very first place in the world that 911, a 911 phone call was ever made. Oh, wow. On top of that, the county that I live in tried to secede from Alabama during the Civil War. They actually sent a teacher down to Montgomery when Alabama seceded from the Union. My county sent a teacher down to the county or to the state uh, capital and wanted to secede from Alabama. They said, "Well, if you can do that from the Union, we can do that from you." And so. Um, so it's a very interesting history in the area that I'm from in the, in the South, but uh, I digress. So that's what, that's where I was brought up and that's the environment that I was brought up in. And that's the, you know, the thinking was, is that all people deserve to have, you know, from a lot of the perspectives, it was from a religious perspective. It was a moral, you know, obligation to make sure that people, you know, weren't hurting or, or having a humanitarian problem or, you, you know what I mean? We just, that's the thought process. And it's a beautiful thing, you know, but, but nobody said we had to give away, you know, you have to give away everything. It takes, you know, if you got some, if you got a neighbor, like I have a neighbor here, he's Mr. Smith. He's an old retired army guy. I take his garbage to the road for him every week. And the reason I do he don't ask me, he never started to ask me. And he don't have to ask me. I have more respect for him as the, as a, as a, you know, army guy like me, you know, because of that. And I know his history and I don't know what he went through. Don't need to know it. The thing is I'm going to do for him because he can't do for himself. You understand? He's my neighbor. Yeah. And so, so, you know, um, and, and so there's things like that that I think people should remember. It it don't have anything to do with religion. It just has has to do with being a nice person, you know, and so, and that when you've seen really, really hard stuff in your lives, you know, when you've seen the real muck, 
You don't want to see it again. And True. most people don't think like that. You know? I, yeah. um, so that's where I'm from. I'm from Libby Town. Now, history. Now, my father owned a woodworking business that employed 172 people in a town of 2,500. Okay? And he yeah. did that for 27 years. We were in an expansion. Um, and we ended up losing the company for various reasons. We had a, we had a very large supplier that, or uh, sorry, a very large customer that left us with a 50,000 piece order while we were in the middle of an expansion with a two and a half million dollar bond. And it just, uh, it was the perfect storm. But I did get to build a wood fired cogeneration system on that new, on that new building. So I've done everything from that. I've worked at a copper tubing place where you make uh, copper tubing for for air conditioners and refrigerators where you know where it bends the tubing. I, I bent the tubing. I was the guy doing that for six dollars an hour for a long time. Um, married, new baby, just barely trying to make it. Um, and then I've had uh, I've had situations where uh, I, I've worked as uh, let's see what else did I do. So I've worked with uh, flat steel. I've done punch press. Steel. I've done plating systems. I've done uh, painting systems. I've done uh, woodworking system. You know, woodworking manufacturing from end to end. We made the swivels. We made the bar stool, uh, the wood piece. You know, every bit of it we made from top to bottom um, with raw material. And uh, um, so I've done that from from my entrepreneurial side of it. Yeah. Once that company ended, that was in 96, um, what happened was is Kmart went bankrupt and left us with us some stuff. So, um, but, but, uh, anyway, so that happened. And so, so I learned that was my first major failure in business, um, where I really didn't have control over what was going on. You know, you could work as hard as you want to, and you're not going to come out of that. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. one of those situations where it just and it, but it did teach me a good lesson don't ever well, let it, one customer take more than your business so yeah going forward i keep trying to i got i i need to write down what i'm supposed to focus on okay so what i do so i have so after that i got into it i got into it and i did it for 20 20 some odd years and um, ended up joining the military at 32 after 9/11. It it, it really uh, it really got to me. And so um, there was a time in my life where I decided it was a good time to join, and I did. Um, I was too old to join the regulars, so I had to go out and join the reserves. And out of the 12 years that I did in my in the service, I was active duty for about six and a half as a reservist. And, and, uh, the army liked me. And during that time I was an instructor and I also, um, for the military, I taught it for the military. Um, and then after I got back home, I had a job at Murray state university and I, I was the network admin there. And then after that, um, I, uh, ended up going to, that's when I actually started instructing for the military was after that. So I've done it. I've done a lot of things in my life, uh, Mr. Kim. I've done a whole bunch. And uh, uh, it's just, it's one of those situations where just get it, drawing down to one thing is, is very hard to do for me because I'm, I'm a very uh, generalist, if that makes sense. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing your uh, journey uh, through your work life with us. It's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. Where can people find you online? Oh, I, I'm just, uh, my last name's Bachelor, and that's spelled with a T. It's B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R. So you can just find me on Twitter on at Bachelor. Um, and uh, that's that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. I have a lot of fun with Twitter. Um, if you see me out there, guys and girls, just keep in mind, I'm, I'm a pretty level-headed fella, and you can talk to me. And if you respect me and ask, ask um, good questions, I'll respect you. But if you don't, I'm going to come back with whatever you're giving me. And that's just the way it is with me. Cool. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And we'll be back for a short break.
sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. The Soul Connection with Dr. K is a forum of expert guests coming together to showcase holistic lifestyles and spiritual connections. Host Christy Ann Lefferts, also known as Dr. K, will speak with authors, medical professionals, leaders in faith and business, and other national figures who will share stories, advice, expertise, and testimonials of faith. Get ready to feed your soul. Tune in for The Soul Connection, live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, or listen on your time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Jonathan Batchelor. Uh, we're going to be now entering into the topic of diversity. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to take it from here and leave with some examples? Sure. Um, so I, I, I like experimenting with the world. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because on Twitter, you can do little experiments and people won't even know you're doing them. Um, for example, uh, I had had my profile picture up where I had just my hoodie and just my face. And I, I grew a beard over the, this last year because I didn't have anything better to do in a pandemic. And so, um, so I took a picture of it up close, just my hoodie and me. And I've been on here on Twitter really just talking about some really, really uh, heavy issues. Um, I try to be really fair and listen to everybody on Twitter. So if anybody gets on there and you have a point and you can give me source, I will go to the source and I will look at it and I will do the research. I'll tell you that right now. And if I don't, call me out, okay, because I need to be called out. And so... So on that, um, I really, you know, I really look for interesting, constructive conversations on Twitter. And the idea that I have is that the people that I'm around and that I have to do business with are diverse. My customer, no matter what I do in the United States, my customer is diverse. You know what I mean? And so it could be anybody. And so why would I say, I'm not going to hire this or that, this person or that person or whatever, because that would make no sense at all to me. And so, um, because that's not who my customer is. I need to know my customer and who knows my customer better than my customer. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's, it's just a fact. And so, um, you, you always want to have diversity in companies. And I really, really, really like, the way IBM went about their diversity program. They did an excellent job reaching all the way back into the STEM uh, programs for schools. They took uh, females within their companies and went out there and started recruiting kids, you know, when they were in in high school and and not recruiting so much as, you know, getting them interesting. Say, hey, these fields are available to you as engineers, as computer programmers, as these things. And, and they were one of the first companies to do that. And I really, I really do have to applaud them for it. 
Now, the way they went about it is the CEO said, well, we're going to go and find a diverse section. You know, we're going to come up with these diverse sections. And if people want to, he, he sent out a thing and he says, okay, tell me why you're more, you're, you're a piece of diversity within the company, right? And he went down to the lowest, to the, to the first level where he could find a person in that area. It could be a woman, which, you know, IBM was the first the company to have a uh, a woman for vice president um, in I think one of the in the Fortune 500 back in the 1950s. So they were already progressive back then. So one of the things that they um, that they did was he would go down to those lowest levels and find like okay, let's say for a disabled person, okay, they didn't have anybody telling the CEO or advising the CEO on how he should market or or how he should be treating or talking to a disabled person. And uh-huh. so so they found the very first disabled person in the ranks, and they grabbed them, and they brought them up there. And they so then they started finding the very first woman in the ranks. And then they started finding the first black person, you know, the first uh, Native American, the first, and they just, and, and, it, and it, it just kept going, you know. They, they said, well, wait a minute, there's more. You know, we've got all these different diverse areas, and this is potential customers for us. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we listening to these people? Yeah, you know. And so, so what happened was the CEO created a committee out of the very first people that he found going down the, the management tree, and and there was people that were in the mailroom that were in this, and there was people that was that were vice presidents that were in this. And so it was very interesting to see how they went about it. So if you want to see how to bring diversity into your organization, they have a great map for that at IBM. And and it's already been done, you know, and proven. That's the other side of it. And so, um, so that's the reason I think that we have to have diversity. That's the only thing that's going to bring us ahead in the world is because everyone else is siloing. If you haven't noticed that, um, and they're they're siloing and saying, well, if you don't believe what we believe, we're just going to take you over. And that's not right either. You know what I mean? And so, so you can't, you can't be siloed. You have to be diverse. The, you know, diversity, it, it drives progress because I get so many different ideas from just different cultures just being in a different culture. That's why I don't eat at the same restaurant, you know, probably once a year, you know? I mean, it's just, it's because you need to have that flavor in your life. If you don't have it, um, then then you're losing out on so much, so much in the world. So anyway, that's that's my thought on diversity. And uh, and I, I don't know what we're going to go to next, Mr. Kim. Um uh, next, we have preconceptions uh, 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 like how people talk, um, what they look like, and so forth. Oh. <laughs> well, I kind of thought I'd covered that a little bit in the beginning. So, I'm all right. I'm going to tell you all a story, and I don't want to. I'm not going to tell you what class it was. It was a government class, and I'm not going to tell you the exact class or the school or anything else. But I was in a class in California, and the topic came up on. Um, the laws between the state's rights, you know, when it comes to laws and the federal rights when it comes to laws and why you want those two to butt up against each other, because if they don't, you'll have a gap in the law and people will take advantage of it. You see what I mean? You mm-hmm. want to make sure that your federal laws covered down to the state and then the state is covering everything from there and vice versa. And, and there's always going to be a tug and war at that, at that particular spot. Because it should be a tug of war. Because if it's not a tug and tug tug of war, then you're going to have one somebody that's going to be stronger than the other. You see what I mean? And you yeah. don't want that. You want your power to be diversified. Does that make sense? Makes and sense. so, so that yeah. And so, um, when it when it comes to the pre, you know, oh, the preconceived notion. I, I'm sorry. I totally needed to get back to what we were talking about. I got completely off topic. So, yes. So I changed my profile pic from a hoodie to a bow tie. <laughs> and when I did, all of a sudden people started piling on me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. 
before I could say anything I wanted to. Okay. And yeah. I put my, I, I had had my, I'd had my hoodie and beard on, you know, when I took my picture, I had that out there. And then all of a sudden I, I go out there and I put this picture of me in a nice suit and looks like that. Well, it actually was done by a professional photographer, the school photographer. So, um, so they took a picture of me and, uh, and I've been using it for that. You know, I hope I'm, I'm not violating any copyrights. The guy told me I could use it for anything. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that happened. And then all of a sudden I started getting jumped on, you know, on Twitter. And I'm like, well, what did I do? And then I start looking and this guy said, this guy said something about my bow tie. He says, all oh, guys in bow ties are assholes. And I was like, <laughs> did I, I, yeah, sorry, Kim, I hope we're not live, but that's what he said. And, and, and I was like, Oh, and I sent him, I said, you know, I changed my profile picture two days ago. This is what I had prior. And I sent it to him and the guy never came back. He never said anything else. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just silly that, that we are judging people based on whether or not they have a bow tie on or not. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's stupid. It's the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. So you don't think it's the suit, you, know, you don't think it's the shirt, you don't think it's the haircut, you think the bow ties making those remarks. <laughs> it's all of it, Mr. <laughs> I was just trying to look professional. Yeah. That was when I was coming out of school. I might have been looking for a job. You know? Yeah. I mean, literally, it, I was still in college right then. By the way, I, you know, I, I have student, I have student loans too, just so y'all know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I come out of, I, you know, I come out of college trying to say, okay, I want to be a, an, a, an upstanding member of member of society. And I was brought up that you dress nicely and you, you know, if you, you know, you, you may not, I don't, I, I can't say I'm a perfect person by no means. I, if anything, I'm, uh, don't, don't use me in this as, as an example ever. You know, you can listen to me, but always go check. Always. You know, I never trust what's told to me through the media or through, um, through the, you know, the social media or any of that, because it's literally coming from somewhere that you don't know that it, where it's coming from. Literally. True. I'd say you know, another thing until is, you go to the source, you know. So sorry. I'd say in your profile picture, you look at least ten years younger than in your last picture. <laughs> Which one? Uh, the one where oh, the new one. Up, the close-up versus your new one. Your new one, you look at least ten years younger. So maybe there's a that little was, bit of ageism with there with that response as well. That was, possibly too. It was 2016. Um, and when that, that first photo was taken and then, oh, well, so I will tell you this, my beard has been white since I was like 35 years old. That's crazy. So, uh, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't judge the picture by my beard, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's been that way since I, you know, and so when I cut my beard, I, I lose like 10 years. It's amazing. um so i recently lost about 40 pounds um which was really neat i I lost all my pandemic weight Uh, it took about five months um to do it and uh and that was um you know a lot of people asked me well how did you do it i said well i just stopped eating and i did I, i took uh jack uh, Jack, Twitter's Jack. I took uh, a note from him. Actually, I think he got it from me. But anyway, um, I just eat one meal a day, you know, and I might have a snack in the morning, a cup of coffee, something like that. But it's, it's been interesting, this pandemic. So um, we were on, I, got, I was going to bring up that, the, hang on just a second. Let me. So as far as, that goes, you know, I mean, we got to stop judging each other, you know, based off how we look and, and start judging each other or, or even what we say. We shouldn't judge people off what they say. Um, I've seen people 
that you would not think if you talked to them, you would not think they, they, you know, were anything. I mean, like you, you know, and they're multimillionaires, you know, because they knew this one thing really, really, really well. And they, and that was their passion and they did it, you know? And so that person never had to work a day in their life if they did that. You know what I mean? And that's what I, where I'm trying to get to. I want to do something that I enjoy so much. I don't even know I'm working. And so, um, you know, that's, that's how I, how, and, and if you're in a job that you really hate, they make more. And right now there's a whole lot of them. Everybody needs to get back out there. Let me tell you, there's some really good jobs. There's, there's like jobs popping up everywhere as far as I can tell. Um, and so if you, if you, if you're looking for one and looking to change, Now's a good time. Um, if you're in that job you don't like and you, you want to go find a team that you do, uh, then, you know, now's the time to make that move, I think. Um, be yeah. careful, though, because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of tumultuous times. If you have a retirement and all that other stuff going, just stick with it. Um, you know, uh, so keep that in mind. But if you've been there a year and you're not happy with it, nah, go find you another one. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's the thing. And, and people should do that everywhere. If you don't like your neighbor, it's either you or him's going to move or you're just going to have a problem, you know? And I don't like living with a problem. Do you? Or either you got to put a fence up and I don't like living with fences either. I won't be able to go over and talk to my, to my neighbor and say hello and say, hi, Mr. Smith. I'm going to take you garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, What's about time for Hop off to another commercial break. Uh, you can find Jonathan at Bachelor on Twitter. That's B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim. And we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel, featuring nationally recognized, best selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And get Amplified. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here with Jonathan Bachelor, and we covered a lot of different topics from inflation to diversity in business to preconceptions of people and how they talk and uh, the interactions of people have with each other. Uh, now we're going to be touching upon natural rights. Um, Jonathan, do you want to take it from here? Absolutely. Um, thank you, Mr. Kim. 
Um, so natural rights, I, I learned about natural rights, or natural rights, natural rights in a government class uh, at Sac State. Um, I had learned about them way earlier in high school, but obviously it just kind of flew out the window. You know, as you get older, uh, it seems like some things go out the back door while you're trying to put new information in. And uh, I ran across this. So I was probably 40, 42 when I finished my degree. Um, I was a little late. I've been going to school for 20 some odd years. I've went to seven different colleges trying to get my degree. I got like 280 credit hours for one degree. And I've taken macro and micro twice. The last time I took it, I took them in the same semester. Um, and and so, you, you, you know, um, I learned a lot about individual rights, you know, um, it, what we call individual rights, your rights as a person, as a human being. And, you know, you have different thoughts on these. Some people say you don't have rights to anything in the world. Um, you know, that the world owns those. You should not own that. And I'm not saying there's one particular, there's just those, that sort of thinking out there. And then there's the thinking that, no, if I go out there and I cut down that tree and I build a house with it, then the house is mine. You know, um, you know, if the land is there and no one else was on it, it's mine. You know, um, if there was no one there to begin with, but there was someone here to begin with, it was the Native Americans. So then you got this problem you know, where we've moved in on someone else's land. And so we have to think about rights from in the same fashion that our, that the, you know, the Federalist Papers look at them. Um, great debate. If anybody ever wants to understand where our Constitution came from and all the debates behind it, um, go read the Federalist paper, Papers and the Federal Farmer. Uh, those two, and and read one, and it's best to find something that has an interpretation, um, you know, that's not biased. Uh, so look on Amazon, make sure the reviews are good. Um, but it's great if you want to understand the the if you want to read further into this. So what our Constitution is based on, the Bill of Rights, I believe, um, is based on um, what's called natural rights. They didn't base it on the Bible. You know that, right? They they wanted separation of church and state. My great 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 grandfather was a Quaker that came here in 1648. So, um, so you know, he was brought here against his will. Um, he had been arrested in England for being a Quaker and a part of the Friends movement, and was being, you know. Um, so anyway, so he was looking for religious freedom. You understand the freedom yeah. to think what you want to about God and the, and and how we're created and that sort of thing because nobody really knows, do they, Mister Kim? Even science uh, doesn't know all the way back to the Big Bang. They don't know. They just think it's all theory. No one knows for sure, right? No, it is theory. There's some things like we know gravity's here. We know, you know, I mean, there's some laws of physics. There are laws of physics, but we have to be careful about laws and theories. Okay. We don't want to get those mixed up. One is a fact that is a hard fact that can be proven again and again and again and again. The other is something that we think it shows we're deducing that it does that. Mm -hmm. So that's how we come up with it. You understand? And yeah. so that's happening a lot in the world to muddle what our rights are as individuals. Fair. Do you understand? Yeah. And so, so yeah. So what happens is, is you have people that want to take you on these journeys down these rabbit holes about why this is that and you shouldn't, you know, why we shouldn't have free speech or why we should silence that person or why we should force somebody to get a vaccine or why we should force a person not to get an abortion or we should, or to get an abortion. You know, I mean, you have all of these, I mean, you know, you have that happening in, in different places in the world. You have, and then you have some countries that outlaw things and some countries that don't outlaw things. And, and, you know, and, and the thing is, is that how do you figure out what is right? Uh, it's hard. You know, I mean, as an individual, yeah, it's hard because there's so many different things out there, right? I mean, there's all these different ideologies, and you got to study them, and you got to read this and read that, all this stuff. 
And so it all comes down to one thing in the United States. It comes down to your natural rights as a human being. It doesn't come down to your religion. It doesn't come down to the color of your skin. It doesn't come down to where you're from or what race you are or whether you're disabled or whether you're not you're rich or poor or any of that. It doesn't matter. The Bill of Rights is based on what you had when you were born. And every single one of us was born naked and alone. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. Now, what rights do you have as that baby right there? You have a right to your life, right? Yeah. Yes, you have a right to protect your, right, your life. You know, that's yeah, just you a can. simple one. I, yeah. I, I can protect myself from being killed by somebody else. Yeah. Okay. And so, so, you know, in certain, uh, now you can throw man's law on top of that, but we ain't talking about man's law. We're talking about natural law. If I'm in the woods, and I, a lot of people call this the jungle law, you know, and, it, and it's not the jungle law. It, it's, it's not that. I heard some, somebody on Twitter told me, oh, you're going back to the jungle. I'm like, no, the law of the jungle is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about natural rights. You don't have the right to stomp on somebody else's natural rights. That's the thing. We all got them. Uh-huh. And it's rights, which means we need to respect those natural rights between each other. And we do that by creating a bill of rights where all the people came together and said, you know what? This looks pretty good. I think, I think these 10 tenants or, or 16 tenants or whatever tenants... You know, you know, we're gonna we're gonna say this is what we think a person should have at the minimum. Makes sense. You understand? It's a minimum, and the yeah. reason that they said minimum was because they wanted to leave the rest of the wall to the lowest place. Yeah, they wanted the city to make the law for the city. Then they want the county to make the law for the county. Then they want the state to make the laws over the counties and then the federal laws over the states and you want your problems handled at the city if you've got somebody in washington trying to handle a city problem you're going to end up with a bad problem yeah that's true and the reason is is because is because you got somebody that's a thousand i mean they learned this lesson way back when because they had to take a, a, a wagon, <laughs> you know, to go from Florida or wherever, Alabama, Georgia, you know, wherever, to go to Washington, D.C., and it took them two weeks to get there. That's a long time. You know, or however long, because they were riding a horse or taking a wagon or whatever. So when they got there, they had to stay, you know, and they worked things out. And that's another thing. I, I, I really, I, I'm not, I don't, I lean, I lean conservative a little bit, but I'm mostly middle of the road. I have some things that I, I'm, I'm liberal on. So, and a lot of people say, well, I'm a, I'm a, 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 a liberal conservative. There's no such thing. You're right in the middle if you're a liberal conservative, you know. And so, um, so it, and, and, and so basically that would make you almost independent uh, <laughs> um, today. And so, um, so anyway, you, you know, you have these rights as an individual and I implore people, please, please, please go out there and read up on what natural rights are and how they were interpreted to be put into our constitution. It's very, very important in today's world because we need something that's going to anchor us and say, what is our moral compass and, you know, we don't have the right to force somebody to think the way we do. We couldn't even if we wanted to. You know what I mean? I mean, you can brainwash people, but that doesn't, that's not, you're not getting them to think your way. The best thing to do is to bring people together behind your cause and get it put through Congress. It yeah. is splitting people up. Anybody that tries to say, well, y'all are bad people over there, and we ain't going to work with y'all, they're not looking for a solution. True. Because a solution requires all people to get on board. 
Do you understand? It's a real solution. The same thing happened with women's uh, suffrage. Um, there was one group that went over and got with the with the uh, you know some of the uh, uh, the bigots in the bunch, and then they had other women that went over here and went the complete opposite direction, went to the church, you know. And so you had you had these different people in different and and the one person that finally went right down the middle. They attacked her like you would not believe. Hmm. And then, after the whole movement failed, somebody else went out there and said, you know what, I'm going to go right down the middle. I don't remember who it was. You'd have to look it up. I'm not that good. My dog's here with me, sorry. And, uh, and anyway, went right down the middle, and guess what? Change happened. Wow. We cannot change this country without coming together on these problems. And if people don't understand that, that's, that's the only way change occurs. It's when well, you I have everybody to... on what real, real honest to God change is when you convince everyone in the country this is what we got to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, definitely. Anyway. Yeah. I agree with you. Change is really important, and it's uh, and it involves getting every single person involved. Uh, Jonathan, I wanted to thank you so much for joining us for an episode of uh, Grow Your Influence Tree and sharing your insights with everyone today. Anyone looking to follow Jonathan, you can find him at Bachelor on Twitter. It's B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R. Uh, you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.